Praise the name of Jesus. Go ahead and smile. It's okay to smile. It's okay to have fun in church. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's a supernatural thing that God's doing in this hour. How many know he's a supernatural God? How many know that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we dare ask or think? It's according to his power that's working inside of us. Put your hand on your stomach right now and say, thank you, Father, that I have your spirit of power working mightily inside of me. It is a supernatural thing that a supernatural God's doing right now. Turn with me to Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. The last book of the Old Testament. There was a gap of about 450 years before the New Testament, before Jesus came. But God said this through the prophet Malachi. He said, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Why did he send him? Verse 6, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The supernatural work that God's doing right now is he is turning the hearts of the fathers back to the children, and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. How many know we need God like never before? Only God can solve the woes of our day. There's none of us that can do it. There's no politician. There's no program. If we try to just funnel money into our economy to try to get that boosted up, but now look where we're at. Hyperinflation, it's turning into it, isn't it? Only God can deliver us from these woes. Last week, there was a prophetic word that came very forcefully after worship. As our sister Medi got up, used of the Spirit of the Lord, and she started to speak out, there's a blessing, you're a blessing, you're a blessing, you're a blessing. Many of you were probably shocked by the, the fierceness in which she delivered that word, but I'm telling you, that is the heart of Father God right now. Because through his son, Jesus Christ, he's made each one of us in this house a blessing so we can bless others. In John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18, Jesus said this, And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. But you know him. You know the Holy Spirit, don't you? You have that spirit of witness of the Holy Spirit inside of you, this very Spirit of God that bears witness with your spirit that you are a son or you are a daughter of his. Amen. For he dwells with you and he will be in you. Verse 18, Jesus said this, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you high and dry. I'm not going to leave you on your own to have to try to figure this thing out. No, I have made you a blessing to be a blessing to others. And you are not an orphan, even though I have to go to the Father. But it's to your advantage that I go to the Father, because if I don't go to the Father, then the Father can't send the promise of another one just like me in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth. The world doesn't know him, but you know him. 
because you've been born again of that spirit of truth. You've been begotten by the Father God. And you now have his spirit. You now have his DNA. You have his seed of righteousness inside of you through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father God is restoring fatherhood through the spirit and power of Elijah. Why? To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. This is in Luke chapter 1, verse 7. 17, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In Malachi, we read that the spirit of Elijah was going to come to do all of this supernatural work. Why? He's going to come before the dreadful day of the Lord. That means when everything's said and done. That means the dreadful day of the Lord is the battle of Armageddon when everything is taken care of. And yet we know, according to what we just read in Luke chapter 1, that there was a forerunner before Jesus Christ, and his name was John the Baptist. Jesus said later on to his disciples, well, John came. They say, but Elijah's got to come first before you come. And he goes, but he already did. How many know Jesus is coming back again? So doesn't it make sense that before Jesus comes back again, that again there's going to be the spirit of Elijah, the prophetic voice that's going to come? Why? To prepare us for the return of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and ask him, are you ready? The Lord has really been speaking to my heart with an overwhelming sense of urgency and his great desire is for us to be introduced to the Father again. To know that we have a daddy in heaven that's watching over us. And he really wants to show you off. He wants to show me off. He wants to show all of his children off to this world. Before he says, Jesus, go ahead and get your bride. In Romans 8, 19, for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. All creation is eagerly waiting when are the sons of God going to reveal themselves? When are they going to step out of the closet and allow the glory of God to be seen in them? All creation is waiting for it. I mean, look at the weather patterns that we've had and everything else. It's screaming the very fact that Jesus is coming back and all creation is groaning for us to step it up. Don't think for a moment now. When it comes to this great move of the Spirit of God that I truly believe is going to hit really, really soon, it's going to be greater than in the days of Acts when the early church came and the Holy Spirit came. I really believe that. Because the latter is always greater than the former. God's very systematic. He sets a precedent and because he's holy and righteous, he never changes that precedent. Don't think for a moment when this great move comes that it's only going to come to a certain man 
or woman that's anointed of God to a certain location that just happens to have prayed it in, that it's all going to come. And yes, there's something to be said about praying in and being hungry for the things of God. God. God is moved by the hunger of his people. Amen. But I'm here to tell you this great new move, this great harvest that's going to come in, this last great move of the Spirit of God that's going to sweep across this world is not going to come through one man or one woman in one location where we all have to pack it all up and we got to go travel miles away just so we can get a touch of the Master's hand. But I truly believe with everything that's within me, this next great move of God is coming through each and every one of us. Each and every child of God, from the eldest to the, to the youngest, from those that have been with the Lord for 50 years and plus, and those that have just given their heart to Jesus Christ. God is going to use every one of us, every one of us, that allow ourselves to come into this supernatural working of His Spirit right now, where He's bringing our hearts to the Father, and the Father's heart is coming back to the children. It's happening. God's moving. Father God is the one who beget us, and he's forming in us his DNA and bringing it to its full maturity like we've never seen before. Referring to fatherhood, the Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. He said, I do not write these things to shame you, because he had to bring correction to the church in Corinth. They were not doing things right. They were allowing a little leaven to come in. And a little leaven spoils the whole. And so he had to bring correction. And he's saying, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. A true father of God will bring a warning to his children. Verse 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. In this day, in this hour, this electronic age, if you don't like what I'm sharing here, well, you can just pick up your phone right now. I, I, I would hope that you wouldn't do this right now. It would hurt my feelings terribly. But you could take your phone and you could start listening to ABC Preacher if you didn't like what I was saying. You could be like some that just don't even come to a, a church location anymore. I don't need to come to church. I've already had church already this week. I've listened to so-and-so, and then I listened to so-and-so, and I listened to so-and-so, and then, oh, did you hear what so-and-so had to say? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, Paul tells this to Timothy. He says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn away from truth and be turned aside to fables. I love sweets. Looking at my wonderful physique, you could probably say I can see why he likes sweets. 
I love coffee. I can't have coffee without a cookie. <laughs> Thank God for holiday just down the street. But how do you know if I just eat sweets all the time? Not only am I going to be extremely large, but I'm not going to be healthy. We all like to pick and choose who we want to listen to, who's going to feed us spiritually. Because we have a certain bent, we have a certain thought. We forgot that we've been begotten of God and that he's forming something inside of us. But no, no, no. We forget that, don't we, sometimes? And when you don't know Father God as your father, then you don't ask permission. You just go ahead and just do. You just go ahead and watch. You just go ahead and just whatever you want to do. No one's going to tell me what to do. And that's the prevailing attitude that's come in the body of Christ right now. And he's saying, in these last days, I've got to change that. Because if I don't change that divine order that I placed in over you, then guess what? A curse is going to come upon the land. How many know we're living in harsh, difficult days? Days that are hard to handle. You go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through, you don't know, 5 or 6, and he lists all the characteristics. I've shared it with you so many times. But people will be lovers of themselves. People will be lovers of pleasure instead of lovers of God. People will become haughty. They'll become unteachable. They'll become rude and unmannerly. They'll be disobedient to their parents. I don't need a father. And so they go ahead and they heap up for themselves teachers that will take care of that itch. Let me tell you something. You can have a, dear, a good dear friend that can come to you and affirm you and lift you up. And who doesn't need that and you'd consider yourself blessed, amen? You could listen to an excellent teacher that just has wisdom and just breaks down the word and just brings the truth to you and you can walk away from that teaching completely mesmerized. You could have a prophet come to you and say, thus saith the Lord. And you could walk away saying, you know what? Now I understand why things have been happening the way they've been happening. Or maybe now I have new direction in the way I should go. There's nothing wrong with having a good friend that affirms you and loves you and supports you and encourages you. There's nothing wrong with having a good teacher that brings the truth of God to you, amen? And there's nothing wrong with having prophetic words come to you to help you be directed in your walk with the Lord. But when a father opens his mouth, there's something different that happens. For through, through you, although you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Paul said, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've begotten you through the gospel. There's weight in the spirit that comes through every word that a father speaks, that calms you, that settles you, that solidifies your spirit and puts everything into proper perspective. 
so you can fulfill your purpose. I don't know about you, but if I listen to a lot of voices, I get confused. And it's not saying they're not anointed. It doesn't, it's not being a slam on that. No, I'm not saying that. But you have to be careful because in 1 Timothy, yes, let's just turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Paul again is speaking to young Timothy, and he's telling him, now listen to me. Now the Spirit expressly says, this wasn't, I think the Spirit's saying this. No, he said, no, the Spirit is, is actually saying this. That in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. He said, in the last days, there's going to be some teachers out there. You have no relationship with them other than you see them online. There's no accountability. You don't know how they're living. You don't know. They don't know how you're living. There's absolutely, it's void of relationship. And how do you know if that person that is speaking into your life, that you're allowing to speak into your spirit, isn't slowly getting off track. I say all that to say this. Church, be careful who you listen to. Be careful. We are in the last of the last days. And the devil would like nothing better but to get you off track and get you out of the faith. He's an accuser of the brethren, and he's constantly trying to tell you that you're not measuring up and that you're not going to make heaven. But let me tell you something. As long as you're here in this house, I'll do everything in my power to pray for you and fast for you and to see that you make heaven your home. You know, when I was a kid, I'd respect people in authority. In fact, this wedding that we went to, Rodney's mother was there. And when I was in high school, um, they had a house next to this restaurant that I worked at. It was Embers. It was a 24-hour restaurant. And oftentimes, I'd have to work like 5 at night till you know, 4 in the morning. And, and so when I'd get done, and I didn't have a car, I had a bike, and I lived two miles away. If the weather was dicey or if I didn't feel like I wanted to bike, they said the door's open, and I'd just crash on their, their sofa down in their family room. But growing up, I was always taught to greet those that are my elder by Mr. or Mrs. or Miss. And so yesterday at the wedding, that's another story about that, but I got up there to preach, and she came in, and she sat there. She's got to be pushing close to 90 now, and she looks great. She waves to me. I felt like I was in grade school again. And afterwards, I went up to her and I said, Mrs. Blaisdell, it's so good to see you. And she goes, it's Shirley. You can call me Shirley now. 
But I've always been one that's followed authority. I've always, because you know, that's the right thing to do, church. Especially as believers, it's the right thing to be mannerly. But how do you know that sometimes when you're a kid, you get a little rebellious and you just think, oh, what do they know? And so I'd smart off to a teacher here and there, get in trouble, especially with my geometry teacher. One day I said to him, I wish you would teach us this. I was taking the test and I just wrote it on there because I didn't know, I didn't know how to answer this question at all. How many know I got in trouble over that one? <laughs> but I didn't fear this teacher, but I feared my dad when I got home. Because I knew dad was going to take care of it. And I was going to learn my lesson. Church, God's trying to get us to grow up. To grow up in him. I told you, this whole series is called Forsaking the Orphan Spirit. And the orphan spirit manifests two ways. They both start with R, so you can remember this. It shows up either in rebellion or it shows up in religion. Rebellion or religion. I told you last week that the parable of the lost son, which really should be called the parable of the lost sons, because both of them had an orphan spirit. The younger son was rebellious. Dad, give me my inheritance now. I want it now. Come on, give it to me now. He wasn't ready to handle it yet because his character hadn't been formed to handle it. And he lost it all, didn't he? But the older son was given by a religious spirit because when his younger brother came home and the dad was throwing a party for him, remember he got an attitude and he wouldn't come in the house and celebrate with his family. We have to knock that orphan spirit off of us to receive the rich inheritance God has for us now. Amen. In order to understand who we are, we must first understand whose we are or who has begotten us. When it comes to God, when you've got the revelation of who Father God is, then the next revelation must be, well, who am I? What has he made me to be? And I'm sure this is no big revelation, but the truth is the most secure people in the world are those who know who they are. They're not insecure. They walk with a confidence. They talk with a confidence. Everybody knows that what they say is true. People want to be around people that are secure. We see enough wishy-washiness in the world. Amen. We will never get to our purpose in our, in our own discovery. We need to be connected with Father God. We need to discover his voice like never before and be fathered by him. And then secondly, we need to get connected with the Heavenly Father that God has placed here on this earth to help us get to where we need to be. How many know there's no purpose outside of God? And the blessing of the Father is always a sign of his approval. Okay. Like I said, I got a whole bunch today, so I don't know how far we're going to get with this. But let's put up the first slide. So why do we need a father? 
What are the functions of a father? There they are. A father gives identity. How many know it's the seed of your father that determined what sex you were and the chromosome makeup of who you are? But it's also the seed and the legacy. The legacy is who is God? The very nature and character of God is inside of us too. Amen? Number two, a father loves what he has begotten. Is there any dad in here that doesn't love his children? If there's any dad here that doesn't love his children, please see me. We'll do this in private. But the devil's really lied to you. But there is just an innate love for your kid. I was sharing in the wedding ceremony yesterday about love, and that it's the bond of perfection. And I said, you know, love covers a multitude of sins. We know the scripture says that time and time again. And I gave the illustration. Therese and I were late in starting our family. Oftentimes we'd go to restaurants by ourselves, and wouldn't you know, we'd want to have a nice, quiet meal, but we'd always get placed by a table that a young family that had a kid that was really a brat. I mean, really a brat. I won't tell you what Pastor Dan did when those kids were there. <laughs> you can fill in the blank yourself. But anyway, what would happen is, I'd sit there and I'm thinking, could somebody just corral that kid? Why don't they do something about that kid? Well, then we adopted our little darling. And we went to Old Country Buffet one Sunday. Everything that was on her plate was on my shirt. And we thought it was cute. See, love covers a multitude of sins. You can put up with a person a whole lot more when you love them. It's all about relationship, you see. Oh, you guys, you took that down. What happened to it? All right. A father disciplines, chastises his children. A good father disciplines his kids. A good father knows that to spare the rod, you spoil the child. And it might not be easy for the father to discipline his kids, but you have to do it. Otherwise, you will produce a brat. Amen. A father affirms, confirms, and validates his children. A father is always there to lift up his kids. You're the ones that should be their biggest cheerleader, dads, to tell them, you know what, you're going to make it, son. You're going to make it, daughter. You know, I confirm what you're doing, the way you're acting, the way you're holding your, conducting yourself. You're doing a good job, son or daughter. And then they validate their kid, especially when their child comes home and they've had a tough day and they're, they're kind of a little down in the dumps. Will you come by and you just give them value by saying, you know what, I love you and I'm proud of you. And right away, everything changes. A father develops and forms the character and maturity of his children. And that chastisement, let's go back to number three, the next slide. What's the purpose of discipline? The purpose of discipline is to protect your child, it's to perfect them, and it's to direct them ultimately to develop and mature the character that you want them to have, the very godly character we as Christians, you put into your kids. And we know that Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 8 tell us, if you endure 
chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, all have become partakers. Listen, if you're a Christian, you've been chastened by God. That's why you go through some times that maybe aren't real pleasant. Can I let you in on a little secret? Just surrender, and life will be a lot easier for you. Just surrender, what we sang about today. The more that we hang on to things, the more we're going to suffer. Okay? Say, I will surrender. surrender. Maybe we need to get some white uh, handkerchiefs around here, and we just hand them out, and we can just wave those, right? I give, God, I give. But if you were without chastening, okay, we've all been partakers of that, but if, we don't, if we're not chastened, then we're illegitimate and we're not sons. Come on, you guys. How do you want to make heaven your home? And we've got to endure this because that's what a father does. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Are you still with me? So in Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, it says this. I, speaking of Father God, will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, speaking of Jesus, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Today I have begotten you. What does it mean to be begotten of God? Well, one of the responsibilities of the Father is to beget or to form. Let's go to slide three. Something is begotten when it's been generated by procreation. Something is begotten when life is brought into something. In John chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, we, the new birth, Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And he's asking him, he's, he's saying, you know, Jesus, I'm watching what you're doing. And what is all this about? You know, let me in on, on, on what you're talking about, what you're doing. And he says in verse 2 of John 3, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he saw, he saw Father God in Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Amen. When we respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we repent of our sins, and we say, Lord, I surrender, and I give you my heart afresh and anew, then there's a new life that is is born inside of us. And Jesus used those words, born again, to, to dramatically indicate three things that happen. Let's go to slide four. Number one, without the new birth, there is no life, no relationship with God. How many of you know that? Unless we're born again, we will never want to pray to God. We'll never want to seek him. Amen. We'll never worship him. And in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, him I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We come to the Father through Jesus, right? Number two, in the new birth, new productive, new, uh, new, excuse me, perspective comes, 
as we see the kingdom of God. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. We must be born again in order to start to see things from God's perspective. Once we're born again, the word becomes understandable, right? Things start to, start to click and the fruit of the Spirit starts to be produced inside of us. And number three, through the new birth, we are introduced to a new realm of life. We step out into a new way of living. In John 3, 5, it, it tells us that. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We step out of this kingdom of, of the world, right, of darkness, and now we step into a new kingdom, the kingdom of life in Christ Jesus. We know this, don't we? This is simple, right? Nod, nod your head. Are you guys staying awake? I think we need to have coffee for everybody. I'm sure it's the cold weather. Did you all sleep good last night? That's good. Amen. So let's go back to that slide three again. We know that in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ? Then you're a new creation. You're a new creature. The old has passed away, and behold, all things now have become new. That's what it means to be begotten. It, it, that newness is a new form. It's a new quality. It's not something that's used or refurbished. It's something totally new. So let's go to slide five. There are two meanings then to be begotten. Number one, when you are begotten, you are uniquely marked and you're sealed for a purpose. When you gave your heart to Jesus, at that moment, the seal of God came upon you. And we know that, that uh, in Ephesians 4.30 it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit is here and he seals us now for that redemption? In 2 Timothy 2.19 it says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. What is the seal? It's this right here. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. Now I told you last week, and we're not going to look at slide six, so don't go to slide six. I told you that there are three types in the family called sin. There's sin, which means basically just missing the mark. Amen? There's transgression, and that's when we purpose even though we have the truth of God inside of us, we purpose to steal sin. Oh, we've never done that. Oh, yes, you're running late. Like we were running late for that wedding yesterday. That's a long story. I'll tell you later. And so it's like, Teresa, you're going to have to go a little bit faster. So she had to transgress, and we were going pretty fast to get there. <laughs> but then there's iniquity. What's iniquity? That's, that goes much deeper. It's when you premeditate a mindset of sin inside of you. Somebody has hurt you time and time and time and time again. And finally, what you decide inside is, you know what, that's never going to happen to me again. I know I have to love them, but I don't have to like them. But you justify the love. 
You put conditions on that love. And how many know God's love that's inside of us is unconditional? <laughs> and that, you guys, is what God's doing right now. He's taken out all of the iniquity inside of us. He's taking out all of the premeditated evil mindsets that we have stored up inside of us that we have accepted over the years just to handle the junk that came at us. And Father God's saying, child, I'm taking that out. I'm uprooting it so I can put something fresh and new inside of you because I'm forming my character inside of you and I'm bringing you into the fulfillment of your maturity in Christ. Because what God has for us in the days ahead, we can't handle it with the character that we have right now. All that junk has to go. And don't worry about it. Father God knows how to get it out of you. And if you're going through something difficult, don't run away from God and don't run away from the church. I want you to call me. I want you to text me. I'm not going to judge anybody. I've heard a lot. Especially in the last few months, I've heard a lot. Oh, have I heard things. But you know what? It's just junk. It's just junk. It's not the real you. It's what the enemy has put inside of you to try to take you out because he's concerned about you becoming fully mature in Christ. Because the two meanings of begotten is to uniquely mark and seal for a purpose. The second one is to take out of someone, out of the Father, to be formed in you to full maturity. Let's skip the next slide, but go to the one after that. If you can do that. There we go. No, the one before that. In Galatians 4.19, Paul, because he was an apostle, he was a father to all the churches he formed. And he says this, 4.19, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again. He's laboring again. Why? Until Christ is formed in you. See, a teacher on the internet doesn't know you. They don't know you. They haven't shared life with you. They don't have a vested interest in you. But a father knows. He does. I was talking to Apostle Swilly a few months ago. And I said, Apostle, what's going on in the body? And he shared some things with me. And he said, out of the, all the five-fold offices, the pastor is the most rewarding because you can see growth in your children but it's also the most grueling because you got to get people through the process. And we're going to be talking about process all next week. People don't want to go through the process. People don't, no, don't, no. Don't you tell me what to do. Don't you tell me what to do. Let's go to the next slide. Because a father knows what it takes in one's character to contain and maintain the blessings and the inheritance of God. And that's why I am so big on this right now. 
because I know the blessings of God are about ready to pour out on you, you're, you're, you're going to be saturated with the blessings of God. Amen. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to squander it. God uses the following to form our character in Christ. And I'm just going to end with this because I think this is enough that you can handle today. It's enough for me too. <laughs> Number one, we need a natural father. Without a natural father, none of us would be here. Come on. But we need a spiritual father too. Someone that's going to hold you accountable and is going to be there to encourage you and to lift you up and bring correction if need be, to bring discipline. And then, of course, we need our Heavenly Father. Without our Heavenly Father, the other two, well, they really don't matter. We need a Heavenly Father. And that's what Father God's doing right now. He wants us to come to that place of knowing him as dad. That's why I told you three weeks ago I wanted you to read Romans chapter 8 over and over and over again because you need to understand the sonship that's been given to you through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Please stand to your feet with me. Father God, I thank you for each and every one of these precious sons and daughters, Lord. God, I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. I thank you, God, that they've been begotten of you, that you've begotten me as well, Lord, that you've brought us to this place in Christ, where now you're, you're working even again, laboring again to form the fullness of Jesus Christ in each and every one of us. Father, I thank you that our hearts are open, they're receptive to receive the working of your Spirit in us, Lord. That you're removing all of the junk, all of the toxic mindsets that have kept us from fully maturing in you. Lord, I thank you that your DNA is inside of us. And I thank you, God, that you always cause us to triumph in every situation, my God. That your spirit and the fragrance of you is within us, my God, and it goes forth. And it's a witness to those around us that we are yours. That we would stand up and stand out for you. That the true revealing of your nature in us, in its fullness, Lord, would come forth. This week... Visit each one of us, Lord. Reveal your fatherhood to us. Let us see you in that way like never before. Because, Daddy, we need you. We want to be like you. We want to fulfill our purpose in you. And I thank you, God, that we will. Because you're so committed to stay with us until the day that you send Jesus back for us. We thank you and we praise you for this, my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Have an amazing week. If you need anything, don't hesitate to call.